A very warm welcome to How Do You Hear? This is a space for us to share our stories and points of view around healing, energy work, spirituality and our visions for the new earth. My name is Dr. Hannah Arnold and I help people clean up on the inside through uncovering and shifting deeply rooted blocks such as limiting beliefs, stuck emotions and traumas. Because with clarity you can actually reconnect with who you truly are, become conscious of your purpose here on earth during this amazing time of transformation and become free to shape your unique journey from an inner place of joy, ease and confidence. This podcast is dedicated especially to those of you who, just like myself, come from a very academic, businessy or old world professional background or grew up without any connection to spirituality and alternative ways of healing. I hope our time together will touch you, nourish you and spark your curiosity in new ways. So much love from my heart to yours and, of course, enjoy this episode. Hello everyone, my name is Ellie. I am the editor of a creative journal, An Inkling, and also a charity fundraiser. Um, I'm here today uh, with the greatest honour, which is to introduce my dear friend, Dr. Hannah Arnold, who is a healing practitioner. Hi Ellie. Hi. So Hannah, I'm just going to launch right in and ask you, have you always felt interested in and drawn to healing? Um, oh, I love that question. Very nice and open. I, it's very interesting when you go back and you, you, you know, you suddenly become something where you're still like, oh, I'm, I'm this, when you say healing practitioner, it's kind of, oh, is that what I do? <laughs> and we can talk a little bit about like labels and names later, but mm. healing and, and like say the like occult things um, or um, anything a bit metaphysical, kind of a mix. So my background at home was um, very much non-believing in anything <laughs> apart from intellect. Um, it was a very intellectual household, um, literary. So there were a lot of like journalists, writers, very creative people, but also very intellectual, um, intellectually minded people. And my, so what, what I definitely had from the beginning was that my mum, her dad, so my grandpa, he had been, he had actually, he wanted to be a doctor, but he was also kind of um, drafted into the war when he was about 17 or something. And then I feel like that pretty much destroyed his life. And he, but well, I mean, that's blaming, but <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't a great uh, starting point. And um, he tried later on, he, he had a thought of, of studying medicine, but then he felt he had to um, sort out like, um, uh, you know, money for his family. And he was a bit conservative, so he didn't want to, um, he didn't really want to, let his mom, his, his wife, my my grandma earn the money. So he didn't study medicine in the end, but he did um, also train to be a kind of Heilpraktiker. It's the German healing practitioner degree that you get the, the more alternative, but official um, kind of degree that you can have if you want to, um, yeah, heal or work with with people who are on, on a healing journey. And he didn't finish it. He, he ended up dying of lung cancer quite young, um, but he kind of, I think, set my mum up in, in, in a certain direction. And my mum 
um, interestingly also thought of studying medicine at some point and then didn't. And I briefly went to medic medical school after I finished my PhD in literature and then got like had got pregnant and didn't end up actually pursuing in this way, but actually, you know, um, becoming a healer or an energy an energy worker a coach whatever we we will call it um and uh yeah but but my mom what she what she had what she really developed was a passion for homeopathy and so when i was little she started taking me to um like a she was a you know proper medical doctor but also um a homeopath and so from the beginning i um got got a bit got the alternative treatment so basically um, I think I had two, two not vaccines, two, I had vaccines quite late um, and also um, like the, um, yeah, I, I, like I had two antibiotics in my life, I think, and I was just never really ill, but also whenever I had something, it got cured by, by homeopathy. So this was obviously, although I wasn't so conscious at the time um, of that being different, I that was a particular you know background to have and also when i was seven or so i uh, developed a lot of backache and my mom sent me to someone doing alexander technique and someone doing feldenkrais so these kind of movement um approaches that definitely i can tell that they really shaped my body and the way my body responds to kind of touch and kind of feeling um input let's put it like that <laughs> so yeah that's kind of the home setup but in terms of anything spiritual they were not at all into this. Uh, in fact, my my uh, father, who passed away when I was twenty three, um, just before his death, he was very much like, you know, other writers they convert on their deathbed, but I really don't feel a need for this. So he was very stubbornly um, agnostic. Um, and for me, I started. I, I yeah, I started um, actually attending church quite a bit at university when I started singing in in uh, chapel choirs, you know, I, I moved away from Germany to study in, first in Scotland and then in, in Oxford. And uh, yeah, for most of my uni days, I basically sang a, a church service every week and re rehearsed once. And for me, that was one of the ways I got into the more spiritual side of, of life through music, because I'm a great lover of music, very musical in my way, um, though I don't, um, yeah do it actively very much but I, I love music and music is what has always touched me the most I can put on one song I love and it completely switches my state um, and yeah so I would say music um, spiritual music like the English choral tradition definitely was one step into the direction of, of opening spirituality for me um, and then I had one friend, <laughs> Elizabeth, who's from Luxembourg, and she was someone I actually met in my first year at St. Andrews, so quite early on uh, after moving away from home. And she, um, yeah, she she also studied at St. Andrews and did, uh, you know, some kind of normal subject <laughs> and then also pursued, uh, you know, started studying um, also, I don't know, I think it was bioenergy healing or something essentially also where you heal, do healing um, in the aura and um, on the body with your hands and that was interesting because we were friends and I saw her regularly and she um, I think about three times um, at different stages um, she gave me sessions and the interesting thing was that I didn't really feel that much 
at the time. You know, I was trusting her as a friend and just let her do this weird thing around me. And then, but the interesting thing was that afterwards she picked up exactly what was going on in my life at the time. And each time the block was in a different place. And I was like, okay, okay, that's really interesting because stuff I hadn't talked about to her at all. She just picked up and... I think that was definitely my entry point into healing. Mm, that's so interesting what you're talking about feeling, um, but also not being able to feel to begin with, because um, we know each other quite well. And I know that you're such an intuitive and empathetic person and your ability to feel is astounding and one of your um, amazing assets to being a healer and doing what you do. Um, can you describe how then you moved, you went on that journey between not being able to feel, so to speak, and being able to feel what you now can feel? Yeah. Um, I mean, hmm, let me see. Obviously there I was on the receiving end and in a very skeptical state, <laughs> you know, it was more like respect. I always had respect for, I was always very fascinated in people who were religious because I just could not understand it. Like no, bit of me could understand it. In fact, when I graduated from school, I think in my yearbook, I had some kind of mention about being the atheist of the year or something like that. Wow. Kind of funny with hindsight. So definitely very, very skeptic background, but um, out of respect for people I loved, I, I, you know, there I was always open. And I think this is how many people get, I mean, maybe like you, right, get into something like healing or open, open up to it through knowing someone who who you think isn't completely crazy <laughs> <laughs> and then trying it out in some way um and then yeah and how does it open i mean i think it takes time i think i i was always an intense feeler so the, uh, you know we when, when we work um as healers, we usually have one, we, we call it, you know, I'm getting into the lingo, but we have a channel that's kind of open. So in terms of that, it's not really the weirdest um, thing. It's just our senses. They, they are open to various degrees. So this isn't really necessarily um, once you're in the realm of like higher perception, um, but even between you and me, when we, you know, when we even when we came into the world, we had different ways of hearing, different ways of seeing. You know, you would maybe see colors a little bit different to me. It's like how do how do you even compare what my hearing? You know, there's some way of of, of measuring things. We can medicine can check if the baby's hearing is good enough, or like you can you can do certain things to to figure out whether senses work but like how well I hear compared to what you hear that's very subjective so um, senses are something really wonderful and flexible so um, we can shut them off we can open them up consciously subconsciously and especially with feeling it's something that is very um, yeah it's quite close to the heart isn't it like you know <laughs> not just um, as, a, as a metaphor but it's it's um, you know, some people see energy. So when we talk energies, what kind of energies, maybe, you know, colors around people, maybe ghosts, maybe um, the aura of a plant or something like that. Some people really literally are just born with or develop the ability of seeing. Um, some some people like me, my for me, it's something that is working, but not like, not when I have my eyes open usually, but I, can, I get like visions when I when I do work on people. 
Um, but with a feeling when people are like kind of uh, hyper empaths, kind of like me, I can, when I, when I give sessions now, that's what you refer to. I, I can sit here and you sit in London and I can, um, if I give you a session and it's, you know, I only do it with permission um, when I actually tune in. But if you, if I give you a session, I can feel what you feel in a way, or if we talk about a certain a uh, question you have or an issue I can actually pick up in my body where in your body the stuckness is now that's kind of an amazing thing that you need to learn first that it actually exists right because it makes your life really confusing when that happens and you have no idea that it's not your own heartache but someone else's or you're taking on someone else's emotion in a situation um, and Obviously, all of life is about interaction between people. It's not separate. We're not living in caves, uh, like uh, as a as a you know as a sage on up on the mountaintop. That's like that's that's a different path. But as if you're a real life healer, you have family like myself. You know, you have kids, um, and it's just you, you're constantly in contact. And and obviously in the past when I didn't know, when I wasn't doing this, I was writing a PhD, you know, I, I was constantly in situations where I had to deal with people. And I think I like confusion, confusion is a big theme in my past life. <laughs> I'm kind of getting over it, but I think it partly came because I just never knew that what I was feeling in my body or perceiving in my body quite physically wasn't necessarily mine. Mm. So a lot of people who come to me have the same thing because, you know, when you, when you're, uh, yeah, whatever I am, spiritual teacher, healer, when you, when you do these things and people come to you, they usually have a, they're kind of versions of you um, in some way. And, and pretty much everyone has that topic of, of, feeling so much and to a degree having tuned down the feelings because it's just too much and they don't know how to use it as a superpower rather than being overwhelmed by it. That's so interesting. So it's about managing the overwhelm, I suppose, and drilling down and, and getting to know yourself and the essence of you first before you can embark upon this journey of doing what you're doing now. Exactly. That's a super important point. The self-care and the centering and coming back into your body and to yourself, because um, especially a lot of healers who um, you can be extremely spiritual and really not be in your body and extremely connected to energies and all sorts of things you can see and you can feel, but you, you're like out there. And usually when you're out there perceiving things, it's because you come from a place of not feeling safe, of not feeling home. So a lot of stuff that I've had to work on, and I was just going to say, so, so the way of how do you then change um, from feeling like your feelings are really overwhelming and uh, kind of disturbing and too much to wow, it's actually a superpower I can um, use. And that just gives me more information. That's like actually really helpful. Um, uh, how do you get there? Partly it's, 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 it's very deep belief work. So belief work is something that, um, for example, in the theta healing modality that I teach and use um, or have trained in, in very intensely. Um, it's, you know, we can kind of, we're a bit like a computer in many ways. So our, our system uh, is geared to survive in this world. And a lot of it is based on, on our evolution as a you know, human body, basically. <laughs> so we're, in my belief, um, we're an amazing um, 
multidimensional soul that has many lifetimes attached to it, many different lives. Um, and this body that we inhabit in this particular lifetime that, for example, now that is called Hannah, um, this body um, is something my soul have, has chosen quite consciously for its journey, for its, for the purposes. And it's also chosen the, let's call it baggage. It comes with good and bad. So I've got all the genes from my ancestors. So for example, I've got like my mom's and my grandpa's stuff, like their wish to be a healer, but also maybe their fears or their blocks around being a healer. So I had to maybe work on those stepping into this line of work. Maybe um, there was an ancestor who had, yeah, had really this, for example, or actually this is a good one also with my grandpa or like any, any trauma from war times, you know, when, when the men were out in the war, feeling was not really the best like option because when you start feeling too much in that kind of situation when you don't completely block yourself off from that kind of thing and you just operate your your life is actually in danger right so actually clearing this kind of thing from people this is, is something i've uh, done quite a few times that where you um where this element of you know feeling means death <laughs> actually can, can be programmed into your subconscious and even if if that's not like your whole truth because obviously you have other programs running as well it might be strong enough to um you know bring up fear in 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 certain situations when it's about feeling um and there's this part of you that vibrates vibrates in like danger like you're dying <laughs> and even and that's the amazing way in which the subconscious works that it 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 doesn't it's very smart but it's sometimes it's so weird the connections that end up happening are so weird <laughs> and not it's because the situations change completely mm. um, one example that i always give when i teach is that um for example if you have you know our cavemen ancestors who maybe had to believe oh i'm only safe when i'm hiding when i'm in invisible in a cage or something like that um a cave sorry and uh so fast forward to today and you're trying to be a singer or an actor or something to be on a stage and somehow every time you're trying to go on stage like you 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 have a fall the lights crash down like something happens that keeps you from going on stage and you're like oh i'm so unlucky blah 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 <laughs> but but at some point when you when you do this work when things keep repeating and if you're if you're having patterns playing out in your life again and again and if you're aware enough to notice them you can be like okay <laughs> there's something going on there that i need to look at because there's you you know things serve us everything that happens is for us and that's one of the very important um, kind of premises of this work, of, of energy work, of, of spiritual work, is to actually realize we're totally in charge of everything that happens. Maybe not consciously, but there are methods to look inward and then look at that, like where that energy comes from. It, that would then look, um, it would be in the form of a belief, like I'm, I'm only safe when I hide. And then you would trace it back to where it comes from and, re, re, you know, just dissolve it by saying, like, actually, we're not living in caveman times. Um, this is safe. Um, it's safe to show ourselves. Like, it's it's possible to be on a stage visible and still be safe. So something mm -hmm. like that. So it, it takes a lot of deep, deep, deep cleaning up as well. I think we can all resonate with those patterns that 
we'd all have in all sorts of parts of our lives, especially when we are deliberately taking ourselves out of our comfort zones, be that speaking in public or singing on a stage, as you were saying. Um, and you know there's a reason why you are putting yourself out of your comfort zone. But also there are these sort of self-sabotage activities that that come up um, nervousness for example can be really in, inhibiting so it's very interesting the way you're describing those sort of um, patterns that we're creating that come from our own histories that we've inherited and if you haven't done the deep cleaning and done the exploration you won't know that you even got them necessarily absolutely and the question is also how many people now think like that i mean it's in the millions but still and this is partly why i'm also putting this material out there why i want to talk about this in public is is that um it makes life so much easier you know because may you you might still be a bit nervous going onto that huge stage but then the nervousness you might be able to reframe it more into an excitement right and it's excitement isn't a bad thing but if it's like a nervousness that has fear in it um, you might be able to help yourself just by resolving some things. Um, and we still have to go out and do the work. That's the other thing that um, energy healing and resolving these deep, deep beliefs, also releasing old emotions. So that, uh, this is actually something I wanted to say. These beliefs, usually they're connected to very strong emotions or to trauma. So if, if you have this wartime scenarios, for, for example, this has a lot of energetic charge, right? Like it's it was created, the belief was created in a situation that was as extreme as anything you could imagine. And so that'll have a lot of impact because it is charged with all these different energies. Other beliefs maybe are a bit more mellow and then they don't affect you so much. Um, so this whole package um, kind of yeah it just uh, can be can be found and and released and it's actually very easy but um you kind of need to know that it's possible and once it's done you still need to do the work and actually get over yourself and kind of get on that stage <laughs> or whatever it is for you and um usually actually quite often when once you've done the session then life comes and throws you in a situation where you can test whether you've like you're actually you've actually changed and something's actually different. You can, you can then prove yourself um, and, and step up and, and do things differently. Mm. I love that idea. I will definitely think on that a bit more because um, you and I have done lots of work together on me. And um, I know from past experience how easy it is to slip straight back into those patterns that we've just worked so hard to clear. Yeah. Um, so Sometimes it's just another layer as well, you know, because things are, not usually so simple sometimes and, and healing often goes in spirals you know even having done this work for years now um you're just like i mean for a while i was working on this one topic um i mean not not even so consciously that i would be like okay right i need to work on it but it would just pop up in session uh, upon session and it was about um we had just like this night when my parents kind of decided to let me cry it out you know when you when when I think people don't do it so much nowadays, but when parents were like, yeah, okay, we need to end this whole night scenario and uh, she needs to just learn to sleep by herself, like gonna let her cry it out. And this came back again and again, abandonment issues, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes then not for a year and then it would come back <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, not again. Haven't I like <laughs> got every single healing and, and uh, leeway out of this, but uh, you know, it comes again. Now it hasn't for a long time. So, oh, yeah. Mm, very interesting. 
Um, so coming back to um, this idea of a journey, can you tell us a little bit about um, how you came to be where you are today? So um, I'm not sure how many of your listeners will know that you studied at St Andrews. You've got a PhD from Oxford on the poetry of W.H. Auden. Yeah. You have become a Reiki practitioner. You started a medical degree. I mean, you're a woman of many talents, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, tell us more about all of these things, which of course I'm only skimming the surface with. Yeah, thank you. I, I think... Um, um, where to start? I think I've always been super interested in just how the world works or just very puzzled by it. Um, I think I've not been able to to put that in words or, or, or uh, it wasn't always a very conscious, you know, awareness in my mind, an awareness in my mind that I was puzzled by the world, but it was more like a very deeply rooted feeling of like, where am I? <laughs> how like how are these people like how do they work how do I work and I for me my journey was I think I um, became quite because I was so confused by all the things I was feeling all the emotions going on at home and so on I think I became quite a people pleaser for me it's it, it was the hardest thing to and I'm still working on it is to actually figure out what I myself deeply want and not to jump into this mechanism where I'm reading everyone's expectations um, without them saying anything and just fulfill them before they like would ever even think of it themselves, kind of like that. So I think I've spent a lot of time in this kind of state really, but kind of fighting it as well without being clear at the time what, what was going on. I'm just trying to find a way to be happy I think that's really what it was and I um I think I, I'm really quite a country person but I grew up kind of more city-based and um ended up uh yeah pursuing this intellectual pathway and I was always very much in this rush energy <laughs> which I think is just this stress adrenaline fight and flight thing when you're just trying to escape the pain basically um when if you study something called nlp neuro-linguistic um, programming they have this idea that you know you can be motivated either by um, running away from something or running towards something and i think a lot of time i was it was maybe a mix but also a lot of like running away from not wanting to feel the way i was feeling and just trying to find that thing in the outside world that would make me happy or fulfill me and for me that was very much like um in my family's tradition of just okay well obviously i need to go to uni after i'd uh, finished school a year early at 17 and just went to st andrews started with biochemistry because at school i was always kind of kind of good at everything and managed just to get very like read the system or like master the system enough to get like the kind of highest grades but I had not found my passion I had not found my true calling at all and I don't feel our at least in Germany the school system is really geared towards helping kids uh, figure it out I mean not at all I uh, yeah I find that really tragic actually I see so many kids coming out of schools also in the generations after me um, and they have they come out of school there's all the pressure from the parents to kind of choose a degree or something and they have no idea but they also don't really have any appropriate guidance and with hindsight I'm just so puzzled that I didn't take a bit of time going abroad my actually my parents would have been 
totally happy for me to do that but i had internalized the sense of you know gotta gotta get going with things gotta gotta figure out like what i'm meant to do here that i then i went to st andrews to study biochemistry um because that like biology and chemistry were my main subjects at school and i really really i was super geeky i although i came from the humanities at home i i I would draw like chemical reactions in my German class or something like that. You know, I was quite a geek and then um, realized quite quickly that that didn't feel like a very familiar environment, like being in the lab and being with the other scientists. <laughs> it just didn't really feel like my place. So after a semester, I changed to English literature and philosophy. So you can already see, you know, the sciences, the philosophy, the humanities, it was all there and I just it didn't feel it was always hard for me to shut down options in a way because I just until I actually found what I really wanted to do and it opened up everything because healing is really like an art and a science in a way but uh yeah so so um, to make that a bit shorter I um went through this whole uh, journey of doing my undergrad, uh, graduating um, yeah, in English literature. And then I had already started working on WH Auden and done some original research, which I really liked. Like I loved going to archives and seeing the letters. I've always been, like, been a letter writer myself and um, yeah, being close to <laughs> everything literature and you know, lit letters were just something I've always loved and, and handwriting and so on. So going to the archives and and studying these original letters and probably already you know connecting to that that the energy of these people and tuning into i ended up writing so then i went to oxford for my masters and because my father was then um yeah basically dying and i knew i couldn't really start a job i also didn't really want to not have anything because i was like i have no idea how i'll feel when he passes away I just ended up taking up uh, the PhD spot um, because I, I was young enough and I thought, you know, I'm just 23 and I felt I would ha just have something to do and, uh, you know, that uh, PhD basically didn't hurt, which is not quite true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of does hurt. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> um, but no, it was also, it was a good experience of like really persevering with one project. And my dad had actually said that to me. He really advised me to do it because he said, you know, you'll have a book written and it's an amazing learning experience to write a, a whole book under guidance so um, writing is definitely something that'll be in my life and I feel like that's it's now with a podcast and with maybe writing a bit more writing for <laughs> something for an inkling right now I think it's it's coming now and and I I, I very much believe we never do anything um, in vain basically so there's always a reason why we do things even if we have drastic career changes there's a reason why those ch skills are needed and for me it's also just being fluent in english and now working pretty much just in english although i'm a normal native german and just happened to live in the uk for like eight nine years and um so that was a that was one of the reasons and um but I also always felt like I was not quite in the right place. I was never, I was always keeping myself a little bit outside. I never quite fell into the, 
into identifying either with like, oh, I'm at Oxford. I never like to say that because people react quite strongly to it, actually. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you found that as well. If you say you're from Oxford, people say things like, oh, you must be a genius. And you're like, um, definitely. We carry <laughs> so much with us by just saying that sentence that people immediately get a bit judgy I think maybe yeah. that's a little bit unfair but yeah. Yeah. so so um yeah but also with the people who are really into into literature in that environment they I never identified with them and I kind of carved my own niche just knowing I'm gonna not stay definitely not stay in academia I'm just not gonna do this project do it like uh, try to get the fun into it and um do it as well as I can and then I kind of before I I was doing quite well with it and and just realized and I got a scholarship a scholarship in my last year so I had some money left actually and I decided to travel around the world once amazing <laughs> and just to buy myself a yoga teacher training as a reward um because also I developed a lot of backache from all the writing the sitting the reading and I felt okay now I've been in my brain essentially for like well basically since starting school like since age six <laughs> six to like 20 25 26 it's a long time um now it's time for my body to get involved a bit more because i've neglected it and i didn't really intend to become a yoga teacher which i also haven't uh, but i wanted to just have a like study it properly and have a really intense immersive um, experience of practicing yoga and meditation all these things so i went to costa rica and also the fascinating thing was that before I met this um, couple, um, you know them as well, Joan and Lenny, who were retired Americans who um, living in Costa Rica, I met them uh, yeah, randomly, non-randomly. <laughs> to me, there's no chance, no, no um, coincidence. And they invited me to stay with them. And Joan ended up um, basically in one of our first conversations, she at a point when I was not open to anything like that, she said, um, you know, basically she had this thing where she, uh, after which she could see past lives 24 seven and like could, could see auras and it just cracked her open. And she, so she just shared that she could see past lives and that she sometimes recognized people and that she recognized me from many, many lifetimes we had together. And that the last time she was my mom, wow. <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, Okay. But the thing was that she felt so much like my mom. I mean, not my mom in this life, but she felt like mom, you know, and it was very fascinating. And we had this deep, deep bond and we spent the whole weekend that we first met just talking and she ended up sharing a lot with me. And that, that was really an initiation. And I, I mean, now with my perspective, now I know that there's soul contracts and we come into this life with other people who, it's like, okay, you know, and we'll meet around then and then you'll tell me this thing and you'll like wake me up basically. <laughs> so she really was the beginning. This was half a year before I finished my PhD and went on my trip and ended up staying with them, reading like their whole library of esoterical books about healing. And this was when, I mean, also the, I remember the last time before that, that I um, spent in Luxembourg with my healer friend, Elizabeth, um, I, I, I'd already said to her like that if I could do this, that would be something I'd like to learn. And she said, like, well, why wouldn't you? Why don't you? And I think I still had a very deep belief that I couldn't. So this is also interesting, maybe for people listening to this who might feel the same way. Um, I'm now like doing this full time and I come from a place 
like six, five, six years ago where I didn't believe in any of it. I felt, of course, I could like, you need to be born with it. I did not think I could actually learn it. And then because I allowed myself to kind of what I, in my head, I know it's not zero, but in my head, it, it was called like going back to zero instead of going forward into a job in publishing, which I had an offer for. And I could have done a postdoc in London, but um, I just, I felt like I had to stop because I felt I'd always done the next logical thing. I'd like <laughs> just pro proceeded in this, line of logical next steps that I did feel like it wasn't it wasn't like anyone forced me it was just at the time the best thing I could decide to do um but I I saw at this point that I had to stop because otherwise I would just postpone that decision longer and I knew it, the time had come where I just needed to stop and needed to step aside and um ask I mean and all this wasn't really super conscious but it felt like this moment where I needed to allow something else to happen and then it did <laughs> so I went to my yoga training had, like read a lot in Costa Rica at, at, at Jones place a lot about healing I discovered the books of Barbara and Brennan who is a NASA scientist who uh, also American who who founded um, a very successful school of healing 30 years ago or so and she's like one of the big um, healing teachers in the world and has a big lineage and just that I read her books, which were very, they appealed to me at the time because they were super textbook like she, her whole school is very much university like or something like that. Um, which at the time, obviously me as an, like someone having come out of that system, it felt like home it felt familiar. Um, and so I was like, wow, if, if I could learn to heal with my hands and like, like, you manipulate change energy with my hands how like what else would i want to learn this is so cool and you, you would always have it in your hands like you can you don't need anything you just you just need you and you can go wherever you want and you can do this thing how amazing is that and uh, then in a way everything was super guided at my yoga training there were some people doing reiki i'd never heard of reiki before um, and at the time I had really severe IBS, so irritable bowel syndrome, where I, for about two years, I couldn't eat gluten and lactose and I had like constant aches in my belly. Digestion was horrible. Um, and, uh, so although in Costa Rica, it, it actually was a lot better because of, you know, the kind of gluten-free bean avocado rice diet that you have, <laughs> um, uh, we there was a, a Reiki healer who said she could give me a little taster session so I could you know know what it was and when she she didn't even touch me she just in the initial scan she went down my body with my hand and as she approached my belly she, I started to breathe more shallowly and when she came to the kind of lower left bit of my belly I started just crying like grief crying like crazy and it I wasn't sad it wasn't like I had any image or any thought that provoked um, the reaction it was literally her hand the reiki connecting with the energy and releasing something and that was the first time i really um appreciated what psychosomatic um means or like what yeah what it means to have emotions stuck in your body um and 
this just released and I was like, Whoa. I think this is sometimes how Reiki comes into your life. It brings you some kind of interesting surprise or some, some kind of um, message that you can't ignore anymore. Um, and I mean, needless to say, I was absolutely hooked after that experience. And I, um, from Costa Rica, I organized a Reiki teacher in Oxford. So when I was back there, I just started immediately with my Reiki one training and then moved to Berlin. And, oh, and interestingly, when I did the Reiki one training, I also was, you know, when you get attuned to the energy. So the, your, your teacher does a certain ceremony that basically that, um, connects you how it how it works I'm I'm I mean I'm a teacher myself now you can't quite explain it it's quite magical <laughs> but basically afterwards something an energy force comes out of your hands that didn't come out quite like that in the same way we all can heal we all have that in us but Reiki is just a way of boosting it and very quickly activating something that you can tangibly experience but the first times I really didn't uh, feel any of the attunements. And then with Reiki 2, for example, I really felt it. So that's because you asked that question about feeling and how I learned it. I mean, just basically continuing following the, the leads, the guidance. And um, I can just say this from the moment I stepped back and just let life guide me a bit more instead of being instead of acting from my will a lot and just being like okay having a very clear goal and just doing it and no matter what the price my body like whatever um just doing it um when I let that go oh like life sped up it was like this magic came in left right center opportunities came up connection came um, I was really guided to all the modalities I was kind of supposed to train in. The next thing I trained in, I think, was the body code. I um, That's a kinesiology-based modality. That uh, kinesiolo Kinesiology is when you use muscle testing. Um, you can also use it for... Um, I can do it by proxy for other people as well. Um, and, you know, that came to me through a friend who, I don't know, she, I had offered a free Reiki course um, to mums in, in this Berlin Facebook group. And uh, Stacy reached out to me. She's also an amazing healer. And I uh, was like, you know, I or, I'm already uh, also a Reiki practitioner, but maybe we could meet up and like do an exchange. And then she told me about the body code and things like that kept happening. And because of this, I it was just, it took, I think, two years for me to get so many trainings done and get to a point of, um, yeah, just being actually in a place where I could do a good session and could actually really help people. And um, meanwhile, I'd also started medical school briefly because I that's what I came to Berlin for. But it just uh, I, uh, <laughs> four months before that, I had uh, gotten together with my now husband. Reiki actually really um, speeds up your life in many ways. So for me, just after I started um, Reiki 1, I met my my husband. We got together four months later, got pregnant four months later after that. <laughs> and the day I did my pregnancy test was the day I started medical school. So it was immediately this <laughs> this foreboding of, okay, what does that mean? Like, it's definitely a sign. <laughs> is it a sign for being able to do everything? Or is it a sign for, okay... 
And it's time to now actually make a decision and maybe not to hide away in your comfort zone of the university where you can spend another like 15 years of training before you actually have to do anything like real. <laughs> and like, well, I'm mean, not saying that you don't do anything real in medical school and medical training, not at all. But for me, for me, the, the more difficult thing than following the official line was to step aside again and to give this up, this amazing you know, the reason I moved away from my beloved UK, the reason I came to Berlin, um, such a big change from what I'd done before in some ways. Um, and it just wasn't aligned anymore. I could have done it. Of course, I could pu could have pushed it through, but every bit of my body was resisting this. It was, I couldn't even, yeah, okay, I was pregnant at the time. I couldn't even listen a lot of the time. It just felt so, it felt like I needed to move to something a lot more, Yeah, intuitive. And it was a bit of a process to let go of the intellectual bit. And not that I'm not intellectual anymore, but it, of just being mind-driven, like logic, logic motivated, basically. So um, Absolutely fascinating. What a journey to come on. And um, I'd just like to go back to what you talked about, healing with your hands, even mm -hmm. though you're using energy. That Because I think um, something we can both resonate with is how when one goes down a very bookish career or education um, that we, we spend less and less time using our hands to make or create things. Um, mm -hmm. And with your energy work now, how does it work using your hands to heal when energy is something that we can't touch, so to speak? Well, we can touch it, <laughs> but you need to, <laughs> again, it's, it's um, kind of learning It's, it's developing the sensitivity to picking up information that's more fine. So, for example, just I'm looking at a plant. If you take off a leaf of a plant, you can actually still feel it in the air. If you, if you like, the, it's still, it, the energy of it is still there, the energy field, even if you take the, the leaf away. And you can feel that. And that's cool Amazing, <laughs> yeah. and it's not even that hard to feel except that most people you know just don't try it or wouldn't try it just like have the idea of trying it and yeah sorry plant but <laughs> but it's it's possible and and uh in the same vein what else you know the energy of a crystal you can feel quite quickly or if if i You know, when I when I used to teach Reiki to smaller groups, if I had two people and I asked one person to scan, just if you if you if one person sits down, the other person holds up their hands really high and then goes really slowly with their hands towards the head, you actually go through different layers of the aura. And the closer you come to the body, the more dense they get, and you can really feel that. And it's like it's something like. Um, in, Actually, your your amazing husband said uh, it feels like a balloon without a balloon. <laughs> it's like you go down and you get to these layers that feel like they're like kind of there. It's like you could rest your hand on it, but then you go through. And obviously, this takes a shift in perspective. It's not like I pick up energies that fine all the time, which is also I think I'm I'm quite a, a normal life functional healer. I think there's a lot of healers who are a lot more or maybe a lot less able to function in real life and who are maybe affected by internet or like, you know, Wi-Fi, mobile phone radiation. This is something you can actually pick up and feel. Of course, um, yeah. 
I'm just a very, I'm, I'm more, I, I don't like any, I, I try to get away as much as I can from blame, from victimhood and being like, oh my God, 5G is killing everything. It's like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, and, and with Corona as well, I believe in co-evolution, <laughs> you know, um, if, if there's a, if we're bringing this factor into the world, I'm sure it, I mean, I'm sure it does a lot of stuff, but I also believe our body is very adaptable and very, um, strong and uh, that if you don't go into victimhood uh, of being like this thing is killing me like that's a very strong belief that will manifest in your body <laughs> i choose to believe that my body is amazing and everything can just go through me because in the end we have vi pure vibration right um so, so coming back to your question of physicality um uh, the the fact i mean <laughs> or the, rather the, the impression that our hands are hard, that's already the illusion. I mean, we know that that's our impression of the way the atoms are arranged. But if you look to you know, physics and so on, we know it's, it's not really like that. The, the majority of that space in my hand is just actually just space between atoms. So in a way, um, when you get into healing, it's like all these illusions become a bit more conscious um which doesn't mean that i can't just put my hand on someone feel the energy like move get feel my hand get really hot and the person can confirm that something's going on in their body as well um at the same time i can also ha hold my hand in the air above the person and actually i don't do any hand-on healing anymore i just work online just like we are talking now, I would be working like that and just picking up energies and just asking for them to be shifted because the thing you learn also with theta healing, um, as much as I still love Reiki and think it has its absolute, just absolutely has its um, its place in the world and in, in the world of healing. <laughs> but with theta healing, you learn that actually all you need to do is to ask and then to recreate reality because we're all powerful creators and we just need to come back to that conviction and that absolute certainty. And once it's happened a few times where you just like, you're like, this is changing. Thank you. Done, done, done. And the person's like, whoa, I can really feel it. It's, it's, and then actually changes happen. Um, even physical changes. That's when you start being like, okay, yeah, things are a bit different than we thought, or than <laughs> I thought. How fascinating. I could talk to you about this all day, all week, all year. I <laughs> <laughs> would love to carry on. Um, but maybe we could just close with you just giving us a little bit of information about what this podcast series will be. Yeah, amazing, because I asked you to um, yeah, to talk to me and ask me some questions in this first uh, episode, because I thought um, you should all actually know who uh, who is behind this and get to know me a bit. Um, so, you know, you know the title, How Do You Heal?, um, which came to me just at the probably the first day of 2021, where I'd kind of, uh, yeah, I was kind of sitting with my notebook, kind of pondering um and setting the just setting some intentions for the year figuring out where I was I, I wanted to go with my work and uh yeah podcasts came right at the top and then I asked for the name and this just came down to me really I didn't really think about it it just popped into my head and I loved the title because it really encaptured what I wanted to do um for a while I've thought about wanting to meet healers from all over the world and 
um, you know, experience how they heal and how the different um, modalities work, how different people do it, how it feels, how it looks, um, how people think about it. And um, yeah, also how different cultures view healing, um, just what, what the kind of maybe standard beliefs about healing are, how, how accepted it is to do energy healing in a certain culture and so on. So um, to save me in Corona times, <laughs> the many trips and also to make it more, more quick and easy, I thought, why not interview people from different backgrounds and from different healing backgrounds uh, um, and just talking to them very openly about how they heal, also about their healing journey. So I like what I liked about the name is that it's kind of ambiguous. It's about how do you heal on your own healing journey, but also how do you heal when you work with other people? And I found, you know, that's kind of a premise for most, I think for all healers, that they come from some kind of place where they needed to come to terms with either physical illness or with mental illness or with just, you know, like me, I just my, with myself and just with how life works. And I think healing is just, a, it's like deeply philosophical in the end. It's, it's raising so many questions about reality. You could, yeah, you could talk forever about things and just the more you get into it, the, the more you actually experience anything from this kind of realm with an open heart and open mind you just start to really um yeah be changed be shifted be you, you your mind expands and your um, consciousness expands and you just connect to people in a different way and you connect to yourself in a different way and i think i just want to because i know you know this is especially dedicated to people who maybe are like me, you know, who, who, who have a background um, in a very businessy environment, who've been very ambitious, very kind of old world successful, I call it, because success and doing it from a lighter place to me aren't a contradiction, but, you know, who still come from play hard, work hard and from all these things um, or who have no, you know, no experience of anything spiritual, who don't know what that means, who maybe are put off by religions and, and like you know, churches, whatever, which I can totally understand. Uh, but to give a little insight into what else is possible, because I, I feel like everyone should have the opportunity to, um, to grow like this. It's so much easier. It's so much more fun. Um, it kind of takes the drama out of life. Uh, it, it, you know, when stuff comes up, I'm basically like, okay, yeah, it feels intense. I don't like it. I kind of hate this person right now. And I kind of also know that I just, <laughs> you know, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to look inside. I'm not going to blame. I'm not going to point fingers. I'm just going to look what beliefs I'm carrying that want to be healed now that come up because this person is actually just holding up a mirror to me. So it's very much about going into responsibility about um, and also in into um, yeah, kind of stepping into our own power as, as an individual, deciding that life is something that we can create and not something that is like kind of put upon us as a, as a, you know, kind of difficult, horrible task that we need to kind of get through, but that we can actually work through everything that's feeling hard in order to create space and lightness and transformation and kind of just a fun life, a fun, connected, abundant life, <laughs> you know? 
Um, so this is the intention behind the podcast to just bring different people to you who I find, who I resonate with, who are interesting. Doesn't mean that I always agree with everything they say, which is something I don't necessarily express in the podcast. You know, I just want to give people a voice um, to express their point of view about healing and their own path. So yeah, I really hope you'll all um, enjoy it and uh, take lots of inspiration from it and get a little curious about healing and energy work in these things. I'm sure we will. I am hugely looking forward to the rest of the series. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. This has been a really amazing and insightful introduction into your world and the world of healing more widely. And I look forward to the rest of this series. Thank you so much, Ellie. So much love. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for sharing space and time with us during this episode of How Do You Heal? If you found this conversation inspiring, we'd love for you to share it with your friends. Subscribe to be notified when a new episode is on air. And obviously, we'd also be so thrilled if you left us a review. Have an amazing rest of your day and hear you soon.